Welcome, travelers. We're aware that your journey was difficult, but prepare to have your questions answered, for you have been granted an audience with the Masters of Mars. And welcome back to Master of Honor. I am your host, Alex Kistler, and here's my co-host, Ben Bateman. What's up, guys? What's going on? Welcome to the show. Welcome back. Uh, we just <laughs> we just pushed stop and started recording this again because we got new audio equipment. Yeah, so so uh, if you guys have not been uh, following along the trials and tribulations of the last month, uh, we uh, our previous recording equipment had been slowly dying on us, and there was a point where eventually we just had to stop using it. Uh, and thanks to the Patreon, thanks to all you guys who've been do- donating over the last... Uh, year uh, we were able to afford a new recorder um, we are also going to slowly begin investing in slightly a better recording setup in general uh, there's some questions that we'll get into today because today is our th- three-year anniversary uh, episode and we're doing a big AMA so there's a bunch of questions and we'll discuss in that some of the the future possible plans we are for advancing the podcast but uh, thanks to everyone we are able to have a new recording equipment but we apologize if there's any wonkiness this week uh, because the equipment is new and we're learning so it's an educational process we've already recorded once the, the intro of this episode and decided that uh, we needed new levels and the six minutes that we recorded it'll be lost forever yeah but I, already, I already deleted it when we d- you deleted it yeah the, that that audio is gone no. I formatted the card really yeah you, we lost the ballad of Ben Bateman Ben no! told the entire <laughs> tale of his life from a small 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 child oh, going up in the streets of Seattle, <laughs> uh, and how he found his way to Los Angeles, climbing his way to the top, mm-hmm. one brick at a time, until he he finally got to the top. Well, it's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll. So, yeah, that's going to be a question later too. Uh, so today <laughs> we're doing a sweet uh, AMA. We're doing you. Know, you guys asked us a bunch of questions on our three major forms of communication: Twitter, Patreon, and Facebook. Um, we uh, got a bunch of great questions. I think uh, literally on the Facebook alone, we got 71 questions. So we'll see how many nice. we get through. Uh, I have a marker of the questions I ans- I made sure to write down. So we're going to for sure answer those. And then we'll see which ones we get to that were posted while I was asleep. Um, and beyond that, we want to make sure we do all of our shout outs. Uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter. We are at the MMCast. I am at Kess Wiley. I'm at Ben Bateman Media. Uh, we are also on Collected.Company, the website to get all of your sweet magic stuff. Uh, there's the Man Zone, and they are a sister podcast, and they do awesome content every single week. I was actually a guest on it two weeks ago, uh, dealing with my spoiler or a preview card for the Commander set. So check that one out. Uh, make sure to also follow them on YouTube because they do game nights there, and they have this whole new set that's really cool um, and set up. And we make sure to follow us on the Facebook group. That is the best way to communicate with us. Uh, there's a huge community growing on the Masters of Modern official uh, Facebook group. Uh, not the page. The page is co- a different thing. Uh, the group, like you can just post a cool deck idea you have. You can ask a question. You can ask a beginner question. You can see which cards should be added to your deck, how to sideboard correctly. The whole community would be really helpful. Uh, new new statistics for what the format looks like is posted there every week by Hagen Kirk. Um, we do our own kind of communication there and we, we interact with people um i generally just throw gifts at people um i have, you a, throw I have gifts? a i have a pretty good gift game gifts yeah g- gay g-i-f <laughs> oh got it gifs gifs it's gifs yeah, yeah, i think graphic right. information format oh, okay but um, the creator says it's gif it's a whole we don't we really don't need to get into this on this podcast no the um yes you were talking about the facebook group and hagen and all that yeah yes facebook group's awesome it's the craziest thing in the world it's like uh, We've gotten 400 new people every month. Well, do you know what's hilarious? 
So this is so. All right, I'm gonna go on like a quick 30 second tangent. So we started the Timing Facebook you. group. <laughs> we started the Facebook group because Action Movie Anatomy, which by the way is remarkably confusing to be doing an AMA on this episode because the phrase AMA has become my abbreviation for the other podcast I've done 110 episodes of. It's really confusing. Super confusing. Uh, so, but we started a Facebook group for AMA. We didn't even start it. Our fans did. 20 seconds. And. You came on the show, and you're like, oh, you guys have a group? You get tons of interaction. We should start a Masters of Modern group. So we did. And then Andrew and I have been competing on the Movie Trivia Schmodown, and our fans on there started another Facebook group called The Action Army, which all you're, three— you're like, you're like the center of three different groups. Well, they're all Look growing at, at such like like rapidly quick rates. Right. Action Army has been live for 11 days. It's got almost 350 people in it. And that's just a straight fan group. All three of them, I get all the notifications, and I interact on all three of them. Facebook has become like, I, if I have to keep it turned off, I turn off all my notifications on my phone, and I have to turn, like, keep it turned off on my desktop. Because if I try to look at it, I can't do anything else. Right. I just want to comment on yeah. things. I want to answer questions about Blood Moon. I want to answer questions yeah, about yeah. Action Army. I want to talk about Tom Cruise movies. Like, it's just... Facebook is just crazy, man. Yep. So, so make sure to check that out. Uh, also, uh, there is an app called Anchor. Uh, we have a show that comes out daily on Anchor. So if you want an entire second version of this podcast, basically there is double the podcast content if you're on Anchor. Uh, ben records a 10 Minutes of Magic every day. 10 Minutes of Modern, it's called Ten now. Modern, yeah. And yeah, Alex guests on the show several times a week. Yep. We'll interview pros. We had a couple of cool things recently with Patrick Chapin and Corey Burkhart. Yep. Also, a lot of you guys were asking about old episodes because... Uh, the, the One of the flaws in people's minds of Anchor, which is sort of like Twitter meets podcasting, is that after 24 hours, like a Snapchat, they fall off. But what you can do is you just go in the app and you click podcast and it turns it automatically into a podcast available on like all the majors you can find on, you know, on uh, Apple Podcasts, on Google Play. Like you can, and you can also just listen to it on the app. So I'm going in daily now and turning the daily episodes into archives so you guys can go listen to that stuff. So anybody who was wondering and wanted to know about it, that's how you can find it. And uh, yeah, that's that. So Great. we're going to get into tons of questions that we want to answer that yep. all of you, the fans of this show, the longtime supporters, the people that have kept us going have asked us. Let's get straight to it. All right. So number one, and, and the way this is going to work, I'm just going to say first names, at least for the Facebook ones. And then when we get to Twitter, Twitter doesn't have real names. So we'll just use whatever I have written down here. Uh, but Yair asked us, who is our favorite Star Wars character and why is it Jar Jar Binks? I have I have an answer to why. So the way we're going to answer this is why could it be Jar Jar Binks? <laughs> uh, I would bet you have an answer to this question. Yeah. I'm just going to let you take this one. All right. Well, I want to know what your favorite Star Wars character is. But I'm going to let you answer first. Okay. So the, the why it could be Jar Jar Binks is purely that he is maybe – and he's not a good character and he's not our favorite. But uh, <laughs> he – as far as CGI characters go, he was so – for how early he was, he has aged quite remarkably well. Oh, you think not he's like a good like character? From a graphical perspective, not oh, like a, oh, 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 what he looks like. Like he, like if you look at other CGI from 1999, it generally looks like garbage. But Jar Jar Binks has, for whatever reason, not aged as terribly. His character has, like, <laughs> and I also feel really bad for the actor who played Jar Jar Binks. Well, um, it, what's <laughs> something something really funny about Jar Jar Binks? Just a quick tangent. I'll keep it very brief. Same. The point is to answer weird yeah. questions. Uh, so on action movie anatomy, when we talk about Will Smith in the nineties, yeah. there's a consistent thing that when you watch old Will Smith movies where you watch and you go, wow, this like feels uncomfortable to watch now. This is, this feels, it's makes me dated. feel, it makes me feel like a racist to watch those movies now because it feels like the character at the time was like, Hey, we want this like sassy, the sassy, like white character, friendly black guy. And you watch and you're like, this is not good. Like this is really mm. embarrassing. 
like I understand that this was the 90s and it's this like approachable hip hop sort of thing but like this is just bad it's a bad cliche and it has aged very poorly if you try to watch Independence Day it's just like that if you try to watch Men in Black it's just like that he got better as he got older he started to be like just like a straight up actor Mm -hmm. like way less of a gimmick uh, and you watching Jar Jar Binks, it's 1999. There's like a similar sort of thing. Oh, yeah, no, I mean, Jar Jar Binks is blatantly right. Ri- like, well, and that was the whole problem with episode one is because also the Trade Federation was like a weird Asian stereotype. Like there's like just stereotypes on the line. Bad. But, yeah, it's bad. Yeah, yeah. So long story short, uh, it's funny to think about when that character was created because like that is so much of if you watch any of the movies in the 90s where you had like a black character for comic relief. They're all the same. It's all like Chris Tucker has the same gimmick or like, sure. you know what I mean? Ice Cube and Anaconda has the same gimmick. You know, this snake's out there this big. It's like, just be a person. Talk yeah. like a person. Uh, oh, who's your favorite Star Wars character? Oh, um, I think it's got to be Han Solo. I just, I don't know how it could not be Han Solo. I've always loved Luke. I like, and because I grew mm-hmm. up watching Jedi, he shows up and he's such a badass at the beginning of Jedi. He's mm-hmm. like way less of a whiny kid by the time that movie happens. But how is it not Han Solo? Like, how could anybody give you a yeah, different answer? I think Han Solo's a good one. Uh, 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 I, I often cite R2-D2. Or Vader. He's, like, so sassy. Yeah, he's good. Uh, you don't think I also think R2-D2 is, is the main character of Star Wars. R2-D2 is because he shows up in the... Why? He's in every movie. He, yeah. the, the plot of A New Hope is literally R2-D2 is the main character of it. And up to the point that he's also there to blow up the Death Star. Are we even going to make reference to the fact that my prediction, my loose prediction, when you came on for the Star Wars episode last that J. J. week, JJ Abrams is going to direct it's it. It's now true. Yeah, yeah. That's, that, how yeah, funny was that? Yep, that I want to really go good. clip that and repost that it's online. Really, I, it's really, it's a safe choice, and I understand why they made it because we are now. I really wanted Ava uh, Duvernay, du, uh, Duvernay, Duvernay, uh, to direct or Jenkins, Patty Jenkins, but that was she got Wonder Woman too, so that yeah. was unlikely. And then, or my big one was Steven Spielberg. I wanted him to do it. That could be interesting. Uh, all right, so we're tangented way too hard on Star Wars. Uh, Shane and Hagen, uh, what is the airspeed velocity of an unladen swallow? I actually looked this up. You go right ahead on this one. <laughs> uh, for an African, the, and they they then specified that they both wanted European and African swallows. Hmm. So the issue with an African swallow is there are many types. There are only two types that specifically have the word African in their name. So there's only two. A, there's a South African swallow and a African swallow, or like a gray African swallow. Yeah. There's not enough kinematic data to actually know what their airspeed velocity is. Okay. But there is enough for the European swallow, and it's 11 meters per second or 24 miles an hour. All right. Excellent use of your question. Yeah. Uh, so this is – do you not know what this is a reference to? No. Uh, in um, Monty Python the Holy Grail, they they ask how they got coconuts, and then they talk about – because they have coconuts to make the horse sound. You not? Have you not seen this movie? I've definitely seen this movie, okay, but yeah, I just yeah. don't remember. It's a question they ask in that movie, got and it. then they're like, oh, which type of swallow? And then now it's like everyone's favorite question. Right. But I looked up the answer. Oh, funny. So there you go. 11 meters per second and 24 miles an hour for a European swallow, which is the most likely because this is happening in Europe. I see. Uh, Austin, favorite set for modern, least favorite. Ooh, favorite set for modern for me is clear. It's my favorite set of all time. It's Future Sight. Um, and least favorite set for modern, probably one of the Theros sets, I would have to think. I would think, like, maybe... God, they're just all bad. Uh, I'll, at least, I'll at least cling to the Constellation one. Uh, so what's the second one? That's the bad one, right? Born of the Gods? Yeah. There's nothing good in Born of the Gods, right? Or is Born of the Gods the one that has Eidolon? I think Skullcrack is in Born of the Gods. No, Eidolon's in uh, uh, Journey Third to the set. Next. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's got to be got to be Born of the Gods. That's, yeah. that's awful. Yeah, that's what right. about you? Uh, my favorite, I think, is Innistrad. Um, for mo- for mo- just like a modern legal set, that's your favorite. 
Well, and for my, I mean, like Snapcaster Mage and Liliana the Veil, like those are probably Incredible two cards, on yeah. like my top five of favorite cards yep. to the format. I think it do, did a lot there. Uh, and I think my least favorite has to be, I was bouncing between some of the Theros sets. Uh, I also don't love, I, I think it's Battle for Zendikar though. Hmm. Battle for Zendikar is awful. Like, it's like, there's a lot, there's a lot going on in it that is not, not, not my fave. Yeah, it's really it was kind of really just like an unfortunate block in general, I think. It like it, it, it causes Deldrazi Winter or partly it was the least exciting half of those two sets. Right. Uh Zendikar is a set I ha- am fond of, and I actually think they've done a lot of what I wish Zendikar a return to Zendikar would have been in Ixalan. Like I'm so hyped for this set. It's yeah. all about the adventure theme and they lean into it and the like the searching for lands. Like I think that's a mechanic that maybe even was in Battle for Zendikar and got moved into Ixalan. Uh, so I, yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of Ixalan, and and I wish Battle for Zendikar was more of that, and or more Oath of the Gatewatch, because those are the two that felt like the most foreign in a cool way. Pirates and dinosaurs, like there's, it's a really hard. Yeah. I, I don't like. There's a lot of articles being like, we were worried that this wasn't going to work. I'm like, no, you have a slam dunk on your hands. Yeah, you had me at pirates and dinosaurs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, next question. This is from Adam. Why are we no longer on YouTube? And where is the cr- content now? So <laughs> we answered some of that. It's on Collected.Company. You can also find us on iTunes. Uh, so those are the two major places to find the actual podcast. The reason we're no longer on YouTube is because the person we were uh, uh, that was helping us uh, for a minimal sum of money that we could afford through at Patreon. that point through Patreon uh, was got a job. And so he was no longer able to uh, edit and upload the videos. Uh, We, neither of us currently have the time or availability to do so. And the Patreon is no longer at the same level it was. So those three factors kind of made it really hard for YouTube. We are planning on creating a new environment that should make it easier for us to do video content moving forward. Um, Let's just like full transparency here. So basically over the course of the last 18 months, Alex and I have had like four different things come up that seemed like almost that we were going to, we were going to like launch a YouTube channel. We were going to partner with these guys and start creating content and buy a whole setup. I was going to launch something that we were going to use to do it. That still might happen. We were going to build a space here and shoot. It's a combination of uh, like availability of our time, space, availability, time, money, and and availability of time. And through the course of that 18 months, every time it looked like we were going to have a reprieve for a second, something else happened. And we're just, we're both not too busy to create content. We're both too busy to spearhead a new content creation system and make that the focus. And so it's going to happen. We're getting closer. Uh, Buying this recorder that you guys bought for us through Patreon, uh, this Zoom is kind of, it's half the battle. Like starting to upgrade the equipment. Um, There's this, we're at the offices for the toy company that uh, I, we started or I started. Uh, We, are expanding space and in that new expansion space there are currently plans to build a permanent area to film content in partly for the stuff that my company is making but also to possibly be an available space for this podcast to record and film video episodes so and the secondary we have a secondary show that we won't talk a whole lot about but a secondary show that we're pretty excited about that we've kicked around for a while uh we thought we had means to do it and this would probably be the best means to do it now uh, and it looks like that'll happen. So we'll yep. give you guys all the details as that comes. But the big question of where, why aren't we on YouTube and sort of why why are we not leaning fully into the next level of expanding this? It's We've been right on the edge of it for a while. And you can expect in the next few months that will happen. You totally. guys will see it. 
Uh, Josh, five cards currently not in modern that would dramatically improve new or low tier deck archetypes. I don't think we're going to do five because that's an entire episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, is there a a card not in modern that has been printed that you think would improve or maybe do two archetypes? Like it has to be deck archetype specific. Deck archetype specific? Um, that's hard to say. I mean, basically, all you really have to do is think about what are the premier legacy decks and what don't the modern decks that are the equivalents have. So you have all the free spells. That's like the first place your mind should probably go. So like just any of them, whether they're the really powerful ones like Force of Will or they're the like way less powerful ones like Submerge. Like those are those are the first places my mind goes. Uh, my, my first one is uh, actually uh, Charlotte's Agent mm. uh, for um, what's the deck called? Living End? Living End. I don't think it would make it that. I think it's it's a card that would make it better. It puts it in the blue, which I think there's a bunch of new blue cycle cards that make yeah. that really good. Uh, I think that in general, it's a decent card. And then on top of that, it uh, it's not too powerful living in because living in gets like you get an extra creature out of it. I think it just makes that deck a little bit better. And, and I don't think that's a deck that I am unhappy to be good. No, it's and, fine. And I think Charlotte's Agent in general does good stuff for the format. Uh, and then uh, my second pick is another uh, Plane Chase card, Baleful Strix, which is Baleful Strix yeah. and Tesserator decks. Yeah. I, and I've talked a lot about Baleful Strix and how much I want it in Modern. I think probably of all the cards that are like the most reasonable reprintings or printings for Modern, that is definitely the one. But I've talked about that so many times. Um, yeah, this is, a, this is a question we talk about regularly, so I don't think yeah. we have to get too too deep into it. All right, next question. Uh, what is your favorite episode of the podcast so far? Ever that we've ever done? Yep. Oh, man, that's really hard. There's so many. Yep. Um, I've, I've always been a fan of the Tom LaPilly episode, the Problem Bottom mm-hmm. Pro Tours. That was definitely one that I loved. I honestly really loved – there was the uh, solo interview I did with Andrew Brown just before he left. Um, that's one of my favorites because we knew Andrew for a long time. We knew Andrew bef- like bef- like before he had ever even played a game of constructed magic. Um, now he's creating cards that we're playing, and it yeah. was just fun to because, watch that growth. Well, it was so rapid. It was so quick. He was so good. Uh, he was so good, so fast, and he was like all of a sudden like making pro tours and top eighting pro tours that um, having that final conversation with him as he sort of was just like looking at me, just like. Yeah, it really all happened so fast, and, like, I don't really, like, know what to do with my day. I, like, sort of, these things happen, and I love it, but and that was, a, that was like, a, just kind of an endearing and, like, a fascinating conversation to have with someone, because sure. in the eye of the storm that is this magic community, you don't really, like, know that many people that where the rise is so fast, and then from there, they get the job of Wizards, and he just, he was this young guy who we, like, had known and, like, known as the kid from the local shop, and all of a sudden, he was getting hired to go make the cards. Right. Yeah, that was a pretty fun interview, I thought. Um, I think... The top ten artifacts episode, I, I really love when I like just, just like put steel, the dark steel, dark steel citadel, citadel over Spellskite, <laughs> and just you freaked out. And then uh, I really liked the episode where Josh Kim was on, and we like sung a song oh, actually on funny. the podcast. That yeah. was really fun. Um, yeah, I think those. I'll, I'm, I'm gonna go with one of those too. Cool. Yep. So go check those episodes out. Uh, Gabriel, best advice for new players to the format: invest in lands. <laughs> yeah it is i mean that is the trick if you want to get into modern like it's just it, you need someone i think posted today it's like 30 dollar new card for a sweet brew non-lands 350 dollars for the lands so like if yeah. you get a good set of lands and just a mana base you can play a lot of the format uh or be able to be creative in the format pretty easily uh that's like kind of the first barrier entry now it's not the worst time because lands have still not gone up from the printing in modern masters so you can get fetches and shocks pretty cheap right now um 
that would be my first like advice step. Uh, the other thing is pick a deck and get that you like proxy a deck. I, this is what I've always said: before you buy into a deck, proxy it and test it. You make sure you like that deck, and then once you find a deck you like, get good at it. Don't don't be, you know, don't be a master of none, master of all, or whatever that statement is. Just like modern is a thing that that definitely benefits specialty. Yeah, I think specialization. My, uh, I think my suggestion is um, if you're new to modern. There's nothing worse than playing cards you don't particularly love and losing with them. There's nothing sweeter than playing cards that you do particularly love and winning with them. And it's a lot easier to lose with cards you like than it is to lose with, lose with cards you hate. So play cards you like in modern. There's so many available archetypes. There are so many strategies you can get into. You can go as wide as you want. There will be something you like. You will find a deck that's in the style you like to play or plays cards that you like to play. And play those. Like yeah. I, I think that I think that you it's I don't recommend anybody get into modern and just like look at the top twelve decks and say, like, oh, okay, the easiest one to learn is affinity, so that's what I'll play. Right. I also think it's how people get blown out. Like it's better to find a deck style that you like than to find just what the tier one strategy is, because that's gonna change. Always. Uh, not to mention, you know, bannings can change it, especially like if you're like, Oh, that's the most unfair thing I could be doing, you'll end up in the Austin Box situation where basically every yeah, deck he's ever played gets cards banned out from him. And also, like if you're, you know, if you look and you're just like, oh, you know what, like ad nauseum, that's cool, or like I love the way this deck plays. Then learn how to play that deck. Yep. Like find a deck that find a deck that has cards you like that does something you think is cool, and that's the deck you should play. Yep, agreed. Uh, where do you see modern in five years? Bigger. Uh, yeah, I think it's it's going to be really interesting. I think in five years. I have, like I don't know the answer to this. Uh, like I think it's possible that modern ends up being more of a niche format, like legacy, in five years because it's just so massive at that point. I think it's possible that uh, that's kind of around the point that I would guess that Moto is replaced by MTG Arena. Uh, so in that situation, you end up with a very different digital space, and I don't know how modern is affected by that, especially since it doesn't look like MTG Arena is going to include modern. Right. Um, and so there's, it's going to be an interesting, an interesting space to look at. Um, I have to think, honestly, just that, it, like, modern is not going to suffer the same fate Legacy did. And there's the, there's the reprinting issue. Yeah, because the reprinting issue. I mean, and, and really, if you think about it, like, the, the only thing that kept Legacy as live and as prominent as it did for the two or three years that it really was dominant there mm -hmm. was the fact that SCG had their circuit supporting the secondary market for Legacy cards. And and sure. that's how that format stayed alive. Yeah. So ever since they've kind of switched away from that and they've started to make Modern a bit more of like an equal and Legacy hasn't been the dominant force in that, mm -hmm. in that tour, Legacy's gotten less and less prominent. And also, they can't inject new life into Legacy because of the lands. So at the end of the day, Modern doesn't, Think about how popular Legacy was in its in its moment. Like in those couple of years, Legacy was such the buzz format. That's the format yeah. everyone wanted to play. And modern has the potential to be that. Modern is that, I think. Yeah. I just think it's it doesn't it doesn't do quite the same level of like unfair sort of awesomeness that I think people want out of Legacy. But I also think that five years from now you're gonna modern's gonna be fifteen percent more unfair. Right. I think there'll be a few more cards printed, a few yeah. more cards reprinted. All those free spells I just talked about, none of those are on the reserve list. Yeah. I, I don't expect that. that Force of Will is going to show up in standard, but I wouldn't be shocked two years from now if they're like, yeah, let's try, re let's let's reprint days. Why not? Like, yeah. I mean, Op just got reprinted, and that was something that we've talked about is like a maybe. Yeah. There's only a small handful of cards that I really think won't see reprints, 
and I don't think we need to see a Force of Will reprint. I mm-hmm. think like the majority of the like Wasteland, I don't really think needs to see a reprint. Um, but most of the other ones that are legacy defining cards, you'll see in Modern at some point. I think Modern's just going to become the bigger, wider version of Legacy. Yeah, I agree. Every year is going to feel more like that. Uh, why most powerful core set in your opinion? I think I have like a definitive answer on this. <laughs> Go ahead. I have to think about uh, it. M11. Because has, of the Titans? It has the Titans. It has Mana Leak. It has Lightning Bolt. Hmm. That's a pretty good argument. <laughs> uh, the only other one I can think of is Rancor and Rancor doesn't see play. Like those three cards. Primeval Titan is like... I think we've talked about this. Primeval Titan has gotten more other cards banned than any other card in Magic. Or in Modern. And maybe Magic. <laughs> uh, like one card getting other cards banned. And Mana Leak and Lightning Bolt are both... In, I mean, Lightning Bolt was an M10, so it's not like it's a new card. But it even as Baneslayer Angel, it's got... Yeah, it's just... It's really good. Uh, I would say the closest argument is 8th edition and for ensnaring Bridge in the Tron oh, Lands. Oh, 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 yeah. That's fair. Ensnaring Bridge in the Tron Lands are like... <laughs> I mean, I th- still think you're yeah, right. I think 8th or not. Yeah, I would agree. And, and Blood Moon is an 8th edition, right? Yeah, so Blood Moon, yeah, ensnaring eight, Bridge... I would say it's 8th edition or M11. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a fair two. Uh, Joseph and Matt, what do you believe is the missing Saltite control to be Tier 1 deck in Modern? What is missing for that deck to be Tier 1 in Modern? For I have, this had multi, multiple people ask this. Baleful Strix? Uh, that's <laughs> possible. Uh, I, I also think it's possible to be... Because I think that would just help Grixis, too. Yeah. Uh, part of me is like force of will sure or counterspell like something just like a hu- Turok. yeah but none of those are blue green like I'm, I'm looking for the blue green card because like all of those could just fit exactly in a green like, shardless agent then yeah because counterspell could make it better like yeah. uh, all of those things would make Grixis Shard- better it's with, shardless agent I think why would shardless agent make soul tie but that would make Soltai control. Well, that's I mean that's that's the best Soltai deck in Legacy is is Shardless Bug, and it's Shardless Agent is the main thing on that. It's Shardless Agent into Ancestral Visions, and that exists in Modern. If we unprint print Shardless Agent, yeah, that's fair. I think that's the answer. Hmm, interesting. Um, or a card along those like a a blue green card that is card. so powerful that it that with all the really good black cards that exist makes it worth playing Saltai. Hmm, interesting. Uh, I do think you're right, though, that blue-green is the, the space that needs to be improved. What is the one change you would, could make to modern that would have the greatest positive impact? The one change to modern that would yeah. have the most positive impact? Um, I, hmm. I think I have my answer here, and it's going to be controversial. Controversial? It's banning? Uh, no, unbanning. Okay. Or no, not even unbanning, printing into. I think Force of Will being printed in the modern would you have really, the longest. So you think modern needs Force of Will? I think if you feeling. got rid of Thoughtseize and you printed Force of Will, you could A, have more unfair decks in the format, like the 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 mid-tier power level that people kind of keep feeling like they're pushing to want to be more like Legacy. I think Force of Will helps make that happen because you can have more degenerate combo decks and you have answers against them. And uh, I, I see where people might have a different opinion on that. And there's other cards that might do that. And counter mad, Counterspell might be that. Days might be that. But I think that would be my pick probably for the a little bit of a switch into making black a little weaker and blue a little stronger. There's multiple reasons that I don't agree with you on that. Um, sure. I think the, the biggest of which is, well, the first, the first one is that it's impossible because they're just not going to print that into standard you ever. You just said they might do it. Force of Will? Five minutes ago. No, I said days. I said they're not going to print Force of Will. Okay. I did. There, I right. specifically Continue. said that. They're not going to reprint Force of Will yeah, in standard. Yeah, I don't think this is this is an Come up with me. a standard format that could have a free counterspell. It do, wouldn't matter how blue is printed in that set. Sure. They would have to not print another blue card. <laughs> Let's just, print Force just, of Will as the only blue card in the set. Cavern of Souls, dual lands. Ugh. 
<laughs> but for different spell types. <laughs> um, so the biggest change to modern, God, that is such a hard question to answer. I think I'm with you that it's unbannings. Um, I think it's unbannings, and I think we just did the episode of the 10 cards we want to see unbanned. No, we did ten car- eight cards we wouldn't want to see unbanned. Oh, okay, fair. <laughs> <laughs> We've done unbanning conversations a lot. I mean, like, we're both pretty much on the record that Stoneforge Mystic and Bloodbraid Elf can probably be unbanned. There's, like, five or like, six cards that I think would make the format really fun I to go have back, back and back forth in. on Jace regularly. I think there's, like, there's a powering up of modern that could happen that makes the format look different. And it'd be interesting to see what that would be like. Yeah, I mean, it would be fascinating if they did, like, a, we are releasing a, sp- like, this is the memorandum. We're releasing a special set. This set is going to cor- correspond with the unbanning of these five staples, and it's also going to print these five staples that are not in modern into modern now. Yeah. So, like, they un- they- Wizards, Wizards has the power to be like, and Force of Wheel is legal in modern. Right. It's, it's like, a- against their traditions, and I can see why that would be an issue, because then people are like, oh, God, what could they undo? But, like... I don't know. That'd be interesting. It'd be cool if they had, like, a big modern, like, you know, Modern Masters 4. And what happens in Modern Mm -hmm. Masters 4 is that we're printing, we're changing the way things work, and we're going to give you these cards that, you know, we couldn't find a way to make legal. And then on top of that, we're also going to unban these five cards, and Modern's going to a huge facelift. Like, that'd be pretty cool. Yep. Uh, But does that make Modern better? I I think... All of these changes are huge, and I, I, I don't know if we have, like, the ability to back up how much better Modern would be. I, I think minimal changes is probably the safest move here. But I mean, Modern's, no one pretty, likes safe. Modern's pretty awesome right now, so. Yeah, there's a, reason, there's a reason the cool kid always drives a motorcycle. Right, exactly. Safety is overrated. And by the cool kid, you mean Tom Cruise in every movie. You mean that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean Jackie Chan in every movie. Uh, what is one change? Oh, we did that. What's your favorite deck that is no longer legal in Modern? Birthing pod is mine. I'm just going to say it right now. Hunted Handsome is mine. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> it's no longer legal and modern. For those who don't know, Hunted Handsome is a deck that took advantage of a legendary rule that no longer works. <laughs> it was a real shame. Yep. Uh, Ross Presser, or Ross, uh, asked, in your opinion, best worst set that ever came out? So we already did best. So what's... Oh, we already did that. We did favorite, least favorite. Yeah, it's pretty much the same, the thing. same thing. Okay, we're skipping it. Uh, Gilman, what is your favorite pizza topping? Mine's pepperoni bacon. Is that the same item? Or you're saying pepperoni, pepperoni and, and bacon, bacon on oh, the same okay. pizza? That you're telling me there was something called pepperoni bacon that I was no, unaware of? No, no. <laughs> I was going to say, what the hell? Pepperoni and bacon, same pizza. Uh, that's a lot of delicious salt. Yep. Uh, the other one would be the Thai chicken pizza without bean sprouts from CPK. Yeah, yeah, okay. If you want to go like crazy creative. Yeah, I would have to say probably just I gotta go classic pepperoni. Yeah. I just it's like it's one of those things where if you in your mind in your like ideal mom you're like oh you know I'm like just need pizza like when you imagine it just it's all it looks like a pepperoni pizza the image that you get the dream image of a pizza it's just yeah. a pepperoni pizza yeah there's agreed. a reason for that. Uh, what does Mardu need to be tier one like Junker Junk? Stoneforge Mystic. Yeah, just calling it. Straight up. right now. I would totally completely agree. That's, uh, that's like, the card. I play the deck a lot. The main thing it's missing is a threat to finish the games. You're like, you have every removal spell you could ever dream of, but you have no way to kill them, and Stoneforge Mystic would help make that happen. I think that if you look at blue, like Grixis is able to pull it off because they get the Delve guys, but the reason the Delve works is they get all the blue cantrips. Mardu doesn't have those, so Mardu needs some way to kind of accomplish that, and I think Stoneforge Mystic is the easiest way. So funny that you would you'd be like, oh, like if Bitter Blossom wasn't legal, if they were both still banned, we'd be having a conversation like, Either of those unbannings will make Mardu a thing. You could either of those. I tried. I tried Bitter Blossom a lot in Mardu. It's not bad. I think it's underrated. Uh, 
it's just so slow. Yeah, it's too um, slow. The clock's too slow. Bailey, why do you love magic? Oh, man, this is a question we've both answered so many times in so many different places, but um, I think there's so many reasons. There's it, a, It's time to answer it here. The, I mean, I think the customizability, um, the way you can tailor the game to the way you want to play it because of how wide it is and how long it's existed, I think is a huge part of it yeah, for I, me. I can say the... The reason I originally fell in love with Magic, and this is still definitely true, is Magic was one of the first activities that let me, that was, I, I was encouraged to build a thing and then test it in an environment. Uh, you know, I, I was the kid who loved making different new skate parks in Tony Hawk Pro Skater. I loved RPG Maker on the PS1. Like, I loved making these things, and Magic it encourages you to make a thing and then actually gives you an environment to test it in and see how it does. So the creativity facet and the build-your-own-thing to then combat with is what makes Magic the most appealing to me. Yeah, I mean, I'm, if you've ever been the kid that owned you know, a huge number of Lego sets and then took them apart and tried to build your own Lego set out of all the pieces and you just get like more bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. It's kind of the most interactive version of that that ever could possibly exist where everything everything combines with something else that's been printed or made at a different time. And then on top of that, all of that, there's the community factor, which is that you have this massive community of people that have the same level of investment that you have. So when you meet this group of people that you've never met, you, you know, th this group of Magic players, they're like all interested in what you have to say and you're interested in what they have to say. And it's like, everybody's got their math formula. They want to share. It's like yep. pretty awesome. Yep. Next question. Uh, why doesn't grave Titan see more play? It's just doesn't do enough. It's a good card. It's like 10 power. It's like really powerful, but it just doesn't 10 power for six man is just like not something that you need in modern. Yeah. In I would say that like, Primeval Titan is an engine, and engines are – it's more important at what it does. Uh, I would say after that, Inferno Titan sees more play, and Inferno Titan is just a burn spell. And so, like, having yep. a burn spell as a sideboard option in decks that need a different way to kill you if they figure out a way to stop the, the like, Valakut plan, like Titan Shift. Um, and that's a red-green deck, so that helps those two colors. Um, and the main ramp deck of the format is the red-green or colorless-focused. Uh, after that, I would say Sun Titan probably sees more play than Grave Titan, and that's purely just a another engine situation. Like, Sun Titan has an engine capability. I don't think it sees that much play either. And then Grave Titan, just like, there are better finishers that are more efficient in black that have been printed. I, I, Gurmag Angler and Tassiger just do what Grave Titan's trying to do earlier and for more, vet, like, just at, at a more efficient level. Yeah, you know, it's actually fascinating if you think about this from the point of view of what you just explained. Like, um, whatever the rate you're getting power for in modern, if you're just getting a lot of power for a little mana, there's only a couple examples that we can think of that truly are like the infallible version of that. And that's like, at this point, it's like Death Shadow, where you're getting for one black mana, like six to 10 power usually. Right. Or it's like Angler or it's Tassiger, where you're getting, again, like four to seven power for one mana. Um, because aside from that, you can think about all these different examples. Grave Titan is 10 power for six mana. Think about even like Hunted Horror when I've like tried to make that work in the past. And, and you, or or uh, Mirror Superior on turn two. Seven power for two mana in right. both cases. It's still not good enough because it's just seven power for two mana. Yep. It's not 
it's not six power and the ability to recur a permanent or six power and the ability to search out your engine lands. It's like that's the reason those things work is because they're interacting with a different part of the game. It's not just a rate of power to right. rate of mana. And the colors, like, it, it, it's competing on a color basis with other effects. Like, in red, there is not many better things to do than uh, Inferno Titan at six. Or right. even at five. Or even really at four. It's in, in green, at six mana... The power level of uh, uh, Primeval Titan is just so high. Now, I would say that it might be underplayed in the format. I think their Grave Titan in play is probably unbeatable by, for a lot of decks. Yeah. But getting to six consistently in a deck that wants to get there and not spending that card slot on a more efficient threat that's going to be more versatile and more useful in other situations, it just seems to be more likely. Yeah, I mean, also, like if you think about it in a lot of cases, like it's just going to end up as a two-for-one. Like, think about it. I mean, I guess... It could end as a three for one. I mean, okay, so blue-white control is going to path your... It's going to path your Inferno Titan, flash and Snapcaster, block one of the two twos, and then right. yeah, and then path the other two-two. Yep. And uh, for those who know, Grave Titan is a six-drop that makes two two-two zombies when it enters the battlefield or attacks, and uh, it has Death Touch. So, yeah. Uh, what is your favorite episode of the last three years? I think we kind of did that. Yep. Uh, that was from Josh Lee Kwai. Oh, really? The commands of. Yeah. Oh. Um, the one you were on, Josh. A little bit of dry pie. Yeah. <laughs> he's only been on one. Yeah. Long time ago. Yeah. One of the early yeah, episodes. Back on. The problem is, is that he is so focused in like a tunnel vision way that's great, but on Commander that we have to find very specific subject matters for Josh to come on. So we would actually throw that question to you guys. What kind of episode would you like to see Josh Lee Kwai on? So much so that I've also never been on an episode of the Command Zone. Yeah, because you're also <laughs> very tunnel visioned. Me and Jimmy are like a little bit of the vaguer. Yeah. Yep. Uh... Ross, do you think magic can still exist in another 20 years as far as the paper version? Uh, yes, I do. Yeah, uh, I, I think, in fact, paper content in general, so board games and stuff is actually on the rise. I think there's so much digital that people are looking for other ways to experience social interaction. And I think the local card store, local game store environment is really important to people as a community tool. And getting rid of that would significantly harm people's lives and, and yeah i think that's that's would be a net negative and i think that magic gives a really good reason for that to exist i also think like um the best example you can use of something maintaining its physical presence in the world after it became antiquated was vinyl uh people with record players and vinyl and <laughs> it and it it 10 years ago 15 years ago was a thing where people were like ah I like CDs and like no no I'm gonna stick to my roots and vinyl and then and then the idea of even owning something physical went away but people were still just like not only do I want to own something not but it sounds better it looks better it's something I can own it's a collectible there's, thing I'm proud and there's of there's a purpose to it so like CDs are just an inferior version of an MP3 right or whatever whatever the newest format is yeah uh, uh, you know cassettes are just a inferior version of CDs but the fact that you can use vinyls as an instrument as an instrument and you can produce music using it on top of the fact that they sound better there's a clear sound vibe to them and there's a collectible side to it makes them have this intrinsic value that won't ever go away yeah and it, i think like and 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 i think that in general yeah i agree with you I, in 20 years if, if the question is where is modern gonna be in five years 
modern might be half or a quarter as popular in 20 years because magic as a paper medium might be half or a quarter as popular in 20 years because the digital may have just become such a thing. But there will always be a place for the paper magic. Right. It will always be popular. It just I, might pale. Yeah, I would say that the chances of magic going away or dying in 20 years is less likely than like the world ending for other reasons <laughs> like if we all become digital or robots take over or korea nukes everyone like these are all things that i could see being more likely than magic dying in 20 years let's not tangent there okay <laughs> um, uh do you think iconic masters will have a perverse effect on helping reduce modern costs uh i think it'll have the exact same effect that every other master set has had yeah i talked about this quite a bit on the uh, anchor station I think the other it, day i think it'll have a closer effect it'll be somewhere between eternal masters or not Eternal Masters, uh, Modern Masters 3 and uh, Modern Masters 1. Because I think it, it will have a print level of Modern Masters 3, but it will have a... It looks like the power level of Modern Masters 1 is more present in it. It's just a card-by-card -card basis for me. It's not a question of the format on the whole. It's, well, it's like the cards. There are now decks that are, as an entry level, much more expensive because Aether Vile and... Uh, Soul Sisters is now really cheap because the only card in it that was expensive is now going to be reprinted. Like, so th there is a barrier to entry that is better. Um, yeah, I mean, so that's a card-by-card -card basis. Yeah. The, the best example I can give to anyone of a card that we all were like, oh, they'll all rebound, is Daybreak Coronet. Um, because Daybreak Coronet, I remember the first, the first reprinting in the very first modern set was like, this $20 card is now $4, and it never right. rebounded. Because well, it was a niche card that was in a set. The reason it was expensive was because it was from a set that wasn't heavily printed. So, so Aureak Champions can be the same way. Maybe. Aureak Champ Mirrodin, the block, was pretty heavily printed. So, like, there's half of that equation doesn't fit there. But I agree that Aureak Champion has currently been as expensive as a rarity. Not, And that's kind of the point. Is this card expensive because of rarity, or is it expensive because of heavily being played? And then you also have the middle ones, like, like Cryptic Command, which has seen enough reprintings now in a row that it's a bit more like Primeval Titan, which is also seeing another reprinting, yeah. that those will both... those. The, the lower value on those will maintain a little. Yeah. They're going to stay a little lower, whereas something like Aether Vial is not going to go much lower. I think some of some of the other big, like Horizon Canopy, we talked about this. I think it'll probably drop a little, but I don't think it's going to drop by much, and right. it'll probably go back up. Yep. I think Horizon Canopy will follow a Noble Hierarch path. Yep. Um, yeah. Um, will MTG Arena have a positive influence on Magic? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. More watch, yeah. I mean, we've talked about how a better way of watching magic is something that's really important, and that offers that. Uh, and magic is a better game than other digital games, so the fact that they are coming up with a way to make magic digital seems really important and good. Totally. What is your favorite meme? Meme ever yeah. of all time? No idea. Uh, I think it's the you don't just walk into mortar, Sean Bean, right? Right, right. I think, like, if I had to like really pick, that's your favorite, probably. I'm a more of a I'm more we've discussed this. I'm more of a gift guy. Yeah, right, right, yep. right. I throw Avatar the Last Airbender gifts out a lot. Those are good. It's funny because you can make anything into a meme. So I've seen so many like the la like the la I've just there's so many memes. I, like what, what what maybe the of the last year because there's like that meme calendar. I liked Salt Bay. I was a big fan of the like. Do I you don't know. That? No. No. Are you not on the meme culture? I'm not a meme guy. Okay. Somebody went through one of our Shmodan videos and turned 14 of our expressions into memes. That's cool. That was funny. Yeah. Uh, what has been your favorite part of recording this podcast? Are you feeling burnt out? Um, I would say that my favorite part of this podcast is the community. 
by by and large the fact that so many people listen to this the fact that you guys like what we're doing the fact that you're excited to hang out whenever we go to stuff the fact that the facebook community is so dis discusses so and grown so quickly um yeah and yeah do you have a favorite it's probably our friendship at this point nice we weren't really wow. fr i mean I, I know that's a funny thing to say but everything you said i agree with but really more than anything it's weird to be we're gonna be 30 both of us pretty soon yeah and like this age in life it's sort of like making new friends is a thing you can do but it's harder the busier you get the more people you meet oh yeah you become very insulated in your life and we weren't really friends before the show we were friendly we knew each other we we wouldn't we i'd go to like your birthday and we would hang out randomly yeah, even before that i think yeah. that was maybe the extent of it yeah um but when you spend an hour to two hours with someone every day for three hundred for three years, right? Uh, so yeah, I think that's probably it's just like it's at least three hundred days. Yeah, <laughs> nine hundred. Well, because a thousand. and I think I think it's more, more than a thousand. Right? To be even more yeah. specific, uh, to spend that much time with someone and be on the mic with someone that much, you realize how like-minded you are with someone. Sure. So that's I think what it is is like if something happens in my life that is exciting to me, there's a good chance you're one of the only people I would call that would get it enough that could be like whether it's a movie thing or a life thing or a career thing or a relationship thing, like we're at least in similar enough places in our life that all of those things are line up. Lined up. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. Thank you, yeah. Ben. Yep. Going to cry a little. <laughs> uh, and are you feeling burnt out? No, but it's a different experience doing this podcast than it was the first year. It's just, it just means something different. Yeah. Talking about magic is not the exciting novelty that it was in the first year. Talking about magic is now something that I've done for three years every week. So it's like, it's hard for something to come along that surprises me anymore. Right. We've had every conversation about modern that we could ever possibly have that just is a general conversation. Like, what's the best X card? Like, we've had that conversation. Right. So now you have to, now you, it's, a, it's a question of like categorizing that stuff and coming up with like, is there an update to the conversation we had three years ago? Or is there a different approach? Or, um, yeah. Yeah, even my pet, all my favorite pet cards. Like, we don't joke as much about Grand Architect because it's like, yeah, I've been trying to make that a thing for three years. Somebody did that now. Somebody made that a thing. <laughs> it wasn't me. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah, I, I would say I'm not burned out either. No. Um, what would you tell people who reject the idea of a homebrew can be competitive? Uh, I would point at Lantern. I would point at... Uh, Say uh, it. Say it. Grand Architect, <laughs> apparently... That Zach, I would point at the the Twitter feed of Zach Elsick. <laughs> yeah, I would I would point at uh, the fact that elves went like that like at least Scred Red won that GP or got uh, did so well at that GP. It won, right? Yeah, it won. Yeah, it won. Yeah, it, won. it definitely won. Yeah. No, no, it won uh, for sure. I would point at the fact that elves went came from not being a real deck to winning a, uh, a GP. I would point at Merfolk consistently winning. I would, like there are so many decks out there that just come from nowhere and win that. And like people might argue, but those aren't brews. They were seeing play for a while. Like, uh, what's the Primeval Titan deck that got banned? Amulet Bloom. Amulet Bloom. Like Amulet Bloom is an example of that, where like it was around, but it wasn't. But that was a brew at first. So like, I I, I believe. And look at Death Shadow. Like Death Shadow, not a card in Death Shadow now, because is is a card that was printed in the last two years that really made it a thing. And right. Just cards getting banned from Death Shadow decks are what made it what it is today. So like. In reality, I, I do believe it's it's always worth exploring new strategies, and it's also why we play Magic. I, I I like. I don't think hating on other people's interest in exploring Magic: The Gathering is a worthwhile endeavor. Hmm. What we got next? I'm I'm getting there. <laughs>
One second. The phone went to sleep. Uh, Casey, what is your absolute favorite deck you've ever played and why? Favorite deck ever. Favorite deck ever. My favorite deck ever was Strixes and Swayze, my legacy deck. It was the Unearth deck. It's funny because it's so close to being just a modern legal thing now. Uh, it was the first, it was when I got into Legacy and it was this um, blue-black deck that played Baleful Strix, Snapcaster Mage, Unearth, Delver, just, uh, I think it played um, Runechanter's Pike or maybe it played Jite. But it played like, it was just like a Delver deck, but it just, the interaction of getting to like, the interaction of getting to like unearth a Snapcaster Mage, targeting unearth, then recasting unearth to target like a Baleful Strix, yeah, was just so sweet. It was yeah. like black, black. You're really close like, to that deck just existing. Yeah, you should probably try making that. You just you need Baleful Strix. Can't you just play uh, a Cantripping? Can you make it Rug instead? Or you need black, red, and blue? No, you don't even need red. Well, you need red for the claim half. Of for claim, claim fame. fame, yeah, yeah, but it's a thing. Yeah, claim half. it's a thing you could do now. It yeah. definitely, definitely interesting. Uh, I would say uh, my Dredgevine deck from Standard. Yeah. Uh, that was the first tier one deck I ever went to build. It could win on turn like two in Standard, which was ridiculous and never happened, but just was a possibility. Uh, and it was really fun, the Goldfish, really fun to play. And it was sad because it got better. So the, the cards that were released when it rotated made it stronger, but because Valakut dominated the format, it just murdered the deck. Like, I couldn't be Valakut if you paid me thousands of dollars. My original Grand Architect standard deck from that same standard, or I think it was the next one, was, the next one. was really fun, too. Yeah. I like that. Uh, what would you have... Oh, what would I have to do... I love this one. What would I have to do in order for Ben to refer to himself as Fatal at least once an episode? Donate to the Patreon. <laughs> no, literally. So so I don't know if Ben knows this, <laughs> but I added a level to the Patreon last night at midnight. Uh, as the $1 level, if you donate it, if someone is donating to it at any point, Ben has to, if we remember, refer to himself as Fatal in every episode. <laughs> if one person in the world is donating $1, as then long I have as to remember for you to do it. If I remind you or you remember, you have to. It's like the I lose the game. Oh, I just reminded all of our followers about the game. I lose. I lost because I remembered the game. Do you know the game? No. If you remember the game, you lose. Oh. So you lost as well. <laughs> so we both lost, and everyone listening lost. But now <laughs> if we remember that you have to refer to yourself as Fatal, you have to refer to yourself as Fatal, as long as one Patreon person donates to it on the Patreon. I will make an offer that if you donate to Patreon, if you're a new Patreon donator for $1, I will say your name, and I'll welcome you as Fatal. I'll do it for every person that donates at that dollar level. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Every new, every new donator to Patreon going forward after a, after the three hundredth. It's not the three hundredth episode. After the three year episode, I will welcome you to the podcast in Fatal Voice. Okay. That that's that if we remember to on record. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> uh, Adrian, how many sets can Modern reach before it becomes too large? Zero. Legacy's fun. The problem with Legacy is the rent print value, and they've done a really good job at basically reprinting every staple. Yeah, I think we're that's we're pretty much on the same level with that. We talked about that yep. earlier in the show. Michael, what do you consider the biggest your biggest failure? Getting in, deep in life. Yeah, in life. <laughs> Oh, man, that's a tough one. I should have looked at these questions first. <laughs> I emailed them to you. Yeah, well, I did. on Facebook. Yeah, I, I mean, I skimmed them, but I didn't, I didn't like, look at the what is my biggest failure and focus on it question. I would say Webisodes Network. Uh, I can do mine while you think of yours. Uh, you know, top decking was really successful, and we had 